Chapter 11, Part 2 of The Commentaries on the Laws of England, Book 2, by William Blackstone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roy Haynes. Of Estates in Possession, Remainder and Reversion, Part 2. Contingent remainders may be defeated by destroying or determining the particular estate upon which they depend before the contingency happens whereby they become vested. Therefore, when there is tenant for life, with diverse remainders in contingency, he may, not only by his death, but by alienation, surrender, or other methods, destroy and determine his own life estate before any of those remainders vest, the consequence of which is that he utterly defeats them all. As, if there be a tenant for life, with remainder to his eldest son unborn in tail, and the tenant for life, before any son is born, surrenders his life estate, he by that means defeats the remainder in tail to his son. For his son not being in esse, when the particular estate determined, the remainder could not then vest, and, as it could not vest then, by the rules before laid down, it never can vest at all. In these cases, therefore, it is necessary to have trustees appointed to preserve the contingent remainders, in whom there is vested an estate and remainder for the life of the tenant for life, to commence when his determines. If, therefore, his estate for life determines otherwise than by his death, their estate, for the residue of his natural life, will then take effect and become a particular estate in possession, sufficient to support the remainders depending in contingency. This method is said to have been invented by Sir Orlando Bridgman, Sir Geoffrey Palmer, and other eminent counsel who betook themselves to conveyancing during the time of the civil wars, in order thereby to secure in family settlements a provision for the future children of an intended marriage, who before were usually left at the mercy of particular tenant for life, and when, after the restoration, those gentlemen came to fill in the first offices of the law, they supported this invention within reasonable and proper bounds and introduced it into general use. Thus, the student will observe how much nicety is required in creating and securing a remainder, and I trust he will in some measure see the general reasons upon which this nicety is founded. It were endless to attempt to enter upon the particular subtleties and refinements into which this doctrine by the variety of cases which have occurred in the course of many centuries, has been spun out and subdivided. Neither are they consonant to the design of these elementary disquisitions. I must not, however, omit that in devices by last will and testament, which, being often drawn up when the party is inops concili, are always more favored in the construction than formal deeds, which are presumed to be made with great caution, forethought, and advice, 
In these devices, I say, remainders may be created in some measure contrary to the rules before laid down, though our lawyers will not allow such dispositions to be strictly remainders, but call them by another name, that of executory devices or devices hereafter to be executed. An executory device of lands is such a disposition of them by will that thereby no estate vests at the death of the divisor, but only on some future contingency. It differs from a remainder in three very material points. 1. That it needs not any particular estate to support it. 2. That by it a fee simple or other less estate may be limited after a fee simple. 3. That by this means a remainder may be limited of a chattel interest after a particular estate for life created in the same. 1. The first case happens when a man devises a future estate to arise upon a contingency. Until that contingency happens, does not dispose of the fee simple, but leaves it to descend to his heir at law. As if one devises land to a femme soul and her heirs upon the day of her marriage. Here is, in effect, a contingent remainder without any particular estate to support it, a freehold commencing in futuro. This limitation, though it would be void in a deed, yet is good in a will by way of executory device. 4. Since by a device a freehold may pass without corporal tradition or livery of sizen, as it must do if it passes at all, Therefore, it may commence in futuro, because the principal reason why it cannot commence in futuro in other cases is the necessity of actual sizing, which always operates in presenti. And, since it may thus commence in futuro, there is no need of a particular state to support it, the only use of which is to make the remainder by its unity with the particular estate a present interest. And hence also it follows that such an executory device, not being a present interest, cannot be barred by a recovery suffered before it commences. 2. By executory device, a fee or other less estate may be limited after a fee. And this happens where a devisor devises his whole estate in fee, but limits a remainder thereon to commence on a future contingency. As if a man devises land to A and his heirs, but he dies before the age of 21, then to B and his heirs, the remainder, though void in a deed, is good by way of executory device. But in both these species of executory devices, the contingencies ought to be such as may happen within a reasonable time as within one or more life or lives in being, or within a moderate term of years. For courts of justice will not indulge even wills so as to create a perpetuity which the law abhors, because by perpetuities, or the settlement of an interest which shall go into the succession prescribed without any power of alienation, Estates are made incapable of answering those ends of social commerce and providing for the sudden contingencies of private life for which property was at first established. 
the utmost length that has been hitherto allowed for the contingency of an executory device of either kind to happen in is that of a life or lives in being and one and twenty years afterwards. As when lands are devised to such unborn son of a femme covert as shall first attain the age of twenty-one and his heirs, the utmost length of time that can happen before the estate can vest is the life of the mother and the subsequent infancy of her son, and this hath been decreed to be a good executory device. 3. By executory device, a term of years may be given to one man for his life, and afterwards limited over, in remainder to another, which could not be done by deed. For by law, the first grant of it, to a man for life, was a total disposition of the whole term, a life estate being esteemed of a higher and larger nature than any term of years. And, at first the courts were tender, even in cases of a will, of restraining the devisee for life from alienating the term, but only held that in case he died without exerting that act of ownership, the remainder over should then take place, for the restraint of the power of alienation, especially in very long terms, was introducing a species of perpetuity. But soon afterwards it was held that the devisee for life hath no power of alienating the term, so as to bar the remainder man. Yet, in order to prevent the danger of perpetuities, it was settled that, though such remainders may be limited to as many persons successively as the divisor thinks proper, yet they must all be in essay during the life of the first devisee. For then all the candles are lighted and are consuming together, and the ultimate remainder is in reality only to that remainder man who happens to survive the rest, or that such remainder may be limited to take effect upon such contingency only as must happen, if at all, during the life of the first devisee. Thus much for such estates in expectancy as are created by the express words of the parties themselves, the most intricate title in the law. There is yet another species which is created by the act and operation of the law itself, and this is called a reversion. 3. An estate in reversion is the residue of an estate left in the grantor to commence in possession after the determination of some particular estate granted out by him. Sir Edward Coke describes a reversion to be the returning of land to the grantor or his heirs after the grant is over, as, if there be a gift in tale, the reversion of the fee is, without any special reservation, vested in the donor by act of law, and so also the reversion, after an estate for life, years, or at will, continues in the lessor. For the fee simple of all lands must abide somewhere, and if he, who was before possessed of the whole, carves out of it any smaller estate, and grants it away, whatever is not so granted remains in him. A reversion is never, therefore, created by deed or writing, but arises from construction of law. A remainder can never be limited unless by either deed or device. But both are equally transferable when actually vested, being both estates 
in presente, though taking effect in futuro. The doctrine of reversions is plainly derived from the feudal constitution. For when a feud was granted to a man for life, or to him and his issue male, rendering either rent or other services, then, on his death or the failure of issue male, the feud was determined and resulted back to the lord or proprietor to be again disposed of at his pleasure. And hence, the usual incidents to reversions are said to be fealty and rent. When no rent is reserved on the particular estate, fealty, however, results, of course, as an incident quite inseparable and may be demanded as a badge of tenure or acknowledgement of superiority, being frequently the only evidence that the lands are holden at all. Where rent is reserved, it is also incident though not inseparably so, to the reversion. The rent may be granted away, reserving the reversion, and the reversion may be granted away, reserving the rent, by special words. But by a general grant of the reversion, the rent will pass with it, as incident thereunto, though by grant of rent generally, the reversion will not pass. The incident passes by the grant of the principal, but not, a converso. For the maxim of law is, accessorium non ducit, sed sequitur sum principali. These incidental rights of the reversioner, and the respective modes of descent, in which remainders very frequently differ from reversions, have occasioned the law to be careful in distinguishing the one from the other, however inaccurately the parties themselves may describe them. For if one, seized of a paternal estate in fee, makes a lease for life with remainder to himself and his heirs, this is properly a mere reversion to which rent and fealty shall be incident, and which shall only descend to the heirs of his father's blood, and not to his heirs general, as a remainder limited to him by a third person would have done. For it is the old estate which was originally in him, and never yet was out of him. And so likewise, if a man grants a lease for life to A, reserving rent, with reversion to B and his heirs, B hath a remainder, descendable to his heirs general, and not a reversion to which the rent is incident, but the grantor shall be entitled to the rent during the continuance of A's estate. In order to assist such persons as have any estate in remainder, reversion, or expectancy after the death of others against fraudulent concealments of their deaths, it is enacted by the statute 6 and C18 that all person on whose lives any lands or tenements are holden shall, upon application to the court of chancery and order made thereupon, once in every year, if required, be produced to the court or its commissioners, or, upon neglect or refusal, they shall be taken to be actually dead, and the person entitled to such expectant estate may enter upon and hold the lands and tenements till the party shall appear to be living. Before we conclude the doctrine of remainders and reversions, it may be proper to observe that whenever a greater estate and a less coincide and meet in one and the same person, without any intermediate estate, the less is immediately annihilated, 
or, in the law phrase, is said to be merged, that is, sunk or drowned, in the greater. Thus, if there be tenant for years, and the reversion in fee simple descends to or is purchased by him, the term of years is merged in the inheritance and shall never exist any more. But they must come to one in the same person in one in the same right. Else, if the freehold be in his own right, and he has a term of right in another, and out the droit, there is no merger. Therefore, if a tenant for years dies, and makes him who hath the reversion in fee his executor, whereby the term of years vests also in him, the term shall not merge, for he hath the fee in his own right, and the term of years in the right of the testator, and subject to his debts and legacies. So also, if he who hath reversion in fee marries the tenant for years, there is no merger. For he hath the inheritance in his own right, the lease in the right of his wife. An estate tale is an exception to this rule. For a man may have in his own right both an estate tale and a reversion in fee. And the estate tale, though a less estate, shall not merge in the fee. For estates tale are protected and preserved from merger by the operation and construction, though not by the express words, of the statute de donis, which operation and construction have probably arisen upon this consideration, that in the common cases of merger of estates for life or years, by uniting with the inheritance, the particular tenant hath the sole interest in them, and hath full power at any time to defeat, destroy, or surrender them to him that hath the reversion. Therefore, when such an estate unites with the reversion in fee, the law considers it in the light of a virtual surrender of the inferior estate. But in an estate tale, the case is otherwise. The tenant for a long time had no power at all over it, so as to bar or destroy it, and now can only do it by certain special modes, by a fine, a recovery, and the like. It would, therefore, have been strangely improvident to have permitted the tenant in tail, by purchasing the reversion in fee, to merge his particular estate and defeat the inheritance of his issue. And hence, it has become a maxim that a tenancy in tail, which cannot be surrendered, cannot also be merged in the fee. End of chapter 11, part 2